Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I am Chad Brendel. He is Dave Simone. And Dave, this was no ordinary Thursday in the middle of July. No, we, uh, I don't think we have to ask each other what are we going to talk about tonight. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's a lot to get to at, at this moment. So, uh, which, which side do you want to start on? Would you want to start on the seventh floor of the Lender Center or the sixth floor of the Lender Center? Whatever, man. I don't, whatever you want to. I'm, I'm fine with either. Let's go in the order that it happened, I guess. How's that? All right. That works. 11 o'clock this morning, the hype train starts rolling. We see the Be Different graphics tweeted out by the football recruiting staff. 12 o'clock. We get the video board in Nippert Stadium. One o'clock, we get pictures of billboards around town with Be Different. One thirty, we get the black cats and the cookie monster. Your evil laughing black cat, which I love. Such a perfect gif. I don't care if it's supposed to be Jif. It's called gif. Such a perfect gif for the uh, black cat defense. And then... Two o'clock, the big fish, the one they've been trying to reel in for months and months and months. J.Q. Hardaway, cornerback out of Georgia, who now lives in Alabama. He has been atop of the recruiting board for quite some time. As he said in Aaron's article, he's actually been committed for like four months now. Uh, <laughs> just took a little time to get mom and dad on board and get everything moving in the right direction but uh you got sauce gardener likely on his way out after this season likely <laughs> like well i mean we thought you know stuff happens you, you never know very <laughs> we, we thought wiggins was gone for sure after his junior year and then he got hurt and he had right. to stay okay I, i'm i'm not speaking in absolutes because there's no absolutes right Likely, most likely, heavily likely. Is that better for you? On his way out, and now you get uh, – you can't call him a clone of Ahmad Gardner. No, he's much bigger. Because Ahmad Gardner, well, he's much bigger than Ahmad was as a freshman. Right. He's about about the same size as Ahmad now. 6'3", 195 pounds. Right now, Ahmad is, what, 6'3", and 200 pounds. So, JQ comes in – Big frame, a lot of high major interest, and I I, key, I cannot explain completely how impressed I have been with the hire of Perry Eliano. That man is getting things done. Heck yeah. I mean, I know he's not directly responsible and he hasn't been here this whole time, but I was just looking at it today. The last three classes, they have recruited, signed, had committed, because we'll count these guys. I think it's like seven or eight defensive backs rated top 80 in the country. Yeah. So, like, when you think about it, basically they're getting two to three guys – whether it's a corner or a safety 
<clears throat> that is top 80 at their position in the country, which from a G5 standpoint, it's not supposed to happen. Right. I mean, this is what you're, you're supposed to see at like Louisville, at Indiana, at Michigan State, you know, and, and Cincinnati continuously. I think that, I think, here's the thing. I think too often we just lump three stars in like they're all the same. You know, five stars are five stars, four stars are four stars, three stars are the three stars. That high three-star designation, which to me is anything like 87 and above. If you want to get picky, 87 and a half probably. But that is a guy that's supposed to come in and be an all-conference, first-team all-conference type player. And they're getting more of those than the program has ever, ever, ever gotten before. Right. I mean, their per player ratings almost an 86, which would be quite a bit higher than even last year's class. Yeah. Or the 2020 class, I mean. Um, but, yeah, I mean, JQ is, I mean, it's, you know, when I put the tweets out, I always try to put hell, you know, held reported offers because it's impossible to know, like, Okay, if he didn't go to use, unless he tells us, which that might not even be true, it's impossible to know where else could he have committed today if he wanted to commit there. Like, we just don't know that. So I don't try to I say, think like, pretty like, comfortable Tennessee wanted him. Yes, he visited Tennessee, which nobody really knows or knew. Right. I happened to just find that out earlier this week or last week when I was just kind of doing some digging, seeing if anybody had written anything on him in the last little while, seeing if anybody, you know, had, and it sounds like in June, he made a visit there. Yeah, he did. So he also camped at Georgia. Um, I don't know that he was a hundred percent a go for Georgia, but I know Georgia did not want him to commit to Cincinnati. Right. And that's, that's kind of the hometown team. Second or third. And if something happened, they want to be able to, to, Keep him yeah, on, they wanted to keep him warm. In the recruiting world, that's called keeping a guy warm. Yeah. Like, but e- even so, like, you don't just get offers from Florida, Georgia, Florida State, Oregon, USC, just because they're just, like, throwing offers out like Jolly Ranchers. Right. And here's the other thing. Like, people that somebody asked on the board today, like, you know, where else could he have gone? Again, if you listen to the kid in the article that Aaron wrote, which Aaron did another outstanding job writing a commitment story, um, he's, he's been committed for a long time. At least in his mind, he knew where he wanted to go a long time ago. And that changes how a kid operates in the recruiting cycle. And schools know that, right? Like, they get that sense because the kid's blowing them off. He's not answering their calls. You know, he's not as attentive as they'd like a guy to be. Like they get a read on that and realize probably smart to uh, not put our eggs in this basket. And I mean, I think that's been the case with JQ for a long time. And, you know, the, the staff just zeroed in on him right away. I mean, I wrote in a national article for, for 24 seven, I think it was back at the beginning of June when visits were getting ready to start. Like who is the must get guy for your school in this class for me, it was JQ. You're very likely losing sauce. And it's not to say Todd Bumpus and Jaquan Shepard and 
and Sammy Anderson and those guys aren't going to be ready. But boy, it sure is going to be nice adding another six foot three long rangey guy with four four speed into your coverage unit in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and <laughs> I know we've. I just can't like I just laugh at just where the corner position and and defensive back position as a whole has kind of gone in the last, you know, handful of years. Since Fick got here. Yeah, I mean, Malik Rainey, who they list at 5'11". Probably more like 5'10". Ken Willis in this class, who is listed as 5'11". So maybe more like 5'10". Are the only guys under six feet tall that in the in the cornerback room, five years ago, all of them were six foot or under. Oh, nobody even sniffed six feet. Five years, yeah, five years ago, six foot was a like huge. Oh my gosh, they got a they got a big guy corner. Now, if you're six foot, like you're you're playing the slot, young man. You're our nickel cornerback. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can't whole, we can't use you outside. It's a whole bunch of six foot, some six ones. They got um. You got Amon at 6'2". Um, and then, you know, at safety, you got J- Jacob, J- Jacob Dingle's 5'11", Byron Threats 5'10", but everybody else 6'1", six 6'2". Six six yeah. The, the Playing defensive back at Cincinnati has kind of become a thing, which – Maybe not on quite on the level the tight end is yet. And I, I saw this debate happening on Twitter today. Like, is it DBU? You're going to need a couple more sauce gardeners before you get the DBU label. Yeah, you can't be throwing that. I mean, <laughs> you can't be throwing that out there. Like, uh, as much as that that would be fun to, to you know, play with and discuss, like, there's a laundry list of programs that can claim DBU before UC can. There's – there's maybe only a couple schools that can claim tight end you, you know, if you really dug into, dug into it, like it's not even comparable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, but you did, you did get a couple guys drafted in, in this past draft. Oh yeah. You're going to get a couple guys drafted in this upcoming draft. I, I think he's a sleeper. I, I think Brian Cook gets drafted. Because. I mean, I, it's it's hard for me right now to discount discount anybody, you know. But I mean, there's the only problem this year though with the draft is it's going to be probably have the most draftable players, draft eligible players in the history of the draft because of the super senior season. Absolutely. So getting a spot is going to be tough. Right. And there's not going to be more draft picks just because there's a third, you know, more guys. Yeah. You know, stick, you know, the class moves up to 26th nationally, 85, what I would say, 85.86 remains first in the conference, mainly because they have 15 commits. SMU has nine, UCF has eight. Um, but as those teams add players, unless they keep adding 
you know, high, you know, four stars and high three stars, which is unlikely. Those their their you know average player rating will go down. Um, but you know, it's just I feel like we talk about whenever we talk recruiting, it's almost like we kind of say the same stuff. But like, it's just you're not. Like, I don't care how good you were the last couple of years. Like, you're not supposed to be able to keep pulling these guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is the sustainability. That it's not, you know, one cycle up, one cycle down, one cycle up, one cycle down. 2018 at the time was the best class in school history, I think. And then 2020 topped that. And then 2021 came in just a millimeter behind 2020. And 2022 is on track to to blow that out of the water. So, yeah, it's uh, it, the sustainability of it and just the relentlessness relentlessness of Luke Fickle and his staff. And, and it's funny seeing these uh, these articles in the Athletic where they're talking to coaches in all these different states. And sure enough, Cincinnati keeps popping up. We have a great relationship with Luke Fickle. We love dealing with Luke Fickle. We love dealing with this assistant. And it just goes to show, like, the, the brand is growing and the reach uh, of what Luke Fickle is going to be able to accomplish here uh, keeps getting more and more impressive with each passing, you know, offseason. Well, I, I laugh at this. So, at this point, you know, I, I you know, I hype this stuff out because fans like it and players like it and the coaches like it. And what did Luke say the very first time we talked recruiting, if they're going to keep score, we want to win. But part of me just kind of laughs at it also. But if you're not an 86 rating, you're hurting this recruiting class. Yeah, that's crazy. You're pulling down the average player rating if you're not 86 or higher. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, come on, like, Regardless of who the coach was, it's not even like a bash Tommy Tuberville thing. Like, Butch, BK, recruiting wasn't really what it was when D'Antonio was here. But like, those if you were if you were in '85, you were like, oh shit, this guy's got like five or six, what we would call at the time big time offers, and he's like a mid three star. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, talent's going up. <laughs> and now you're dra- you're dragging the, the squad down. I mean, you got just you got CJ Doggett, Marcus Peterson, Kalen Carroll, Segre Graham, Ethan Green, Patrick Body, Sincere Lewis, Tyler Gillison, all 85 and change. So all those guys that all have countless offers and interests and and whatnot. They're, they're below the, the average. They're the bottom half from a from like a you know, percentage standpoint. And if you, I mean, it's crazy if you if you really look back, like just and and this is also proof that the, the reason why you don't uh, ever put too much weight on the recruiting rankings. But if you go back to 2017, hold on a second. For some reason, my computer decided to freeze up for a moment yeah 2017 Uh average rating was 82.7 yeah and look look at look at the the ratings of the guys that became stars here and that class had mike warren and jerrell white near the top 
Look at Kobe, look at Derek Forrest and Kobe. Well, Kobe was an 81, almost an 82. Dez was an 81, almost an 82. Vince McConnell was barely an 81. Derek Forrest was a 79. Jabari Taylor was a 79. Ja'Kari Robinson was a 79. Uh, obviously, James Smith wasn't rated. Um, yeah, so draft NFL draft pick will be, what, four-year starting quarterback, another NFL draft pick, uh, you know, Running back that's on the NFL team. So Kobe's gonna play in the NFL. Oh yeah. Yeah. And 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 those guys, the fan base right now, if they landed a, a Derek Forrest, would lose their mind. Like 79. 79. Yeah. What? <laughs> lose their mind with like Derek the, Forrest. The year before Wig. Was an 85 and Dokes was in like an 84 and a half. Yeah. And they were at the top, right? Uh, well, that, yeah, pretty much. And I, I know, like, Perry, Perry Young was an 80. Elijah Ponder was a 79. Curtis Brooks was a 77. Wig and Dokes were second and third in the class. Joel DeBlanco was the highest rated recruit in that class. Yeah. Almost an 87. Took some time, but he figured it out, even though a lot of people thought he'd never succeed here if he played linebacker. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Wiggins, uh, well, Wiggins and Dokes were third and fourth in that class, excuse me. Yeah, Taekwon Statham was second. It's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's just come so far and – not Elijah Ponder. Not a lot of time. Like, yeah, I mean, 2016, the average rating was 81.97. You can catch lightning in a bottle for like one class or something and have some connections or hire somebody, but like to do what they've done and sustained and, and like, you know, I know we've talked about in the past and it's come up a little bit on the board. Like, I don't think people understand the level of recruiter Marcus Freeman is. I said this on the radio today. Like, He's the best recruiter said, in UC football history. So I said, like, if you're going to hold an assistant coach to the Marcus Freeman standard, they're going to fail nine times yeah. out of ten. Like, he is – being at Notre Dame, he has a very legitimate shot for, you know, take what you will out of, you know, from it, of being, like, 247's recruiter of the year nationally. Right. So, like, you know, when you when you ask, you know, is it a big downgrade with Mike Trestle? I mean, like, I wouldn't say big, but, like, let's be real. You're comparing him to what I think anybody would call one of the five best recruiters in the country right now. Yeah, but what I would say on that is that I think three guys have really stepped up their game. Perry Eliano, Colin Hitchler, Greg Scrubs. For sure. Those three guys, and Brian Mason as well, we haven't seen a ton from Mike Trussell yet, but that's just adjusting to a new place. And well, and I think the thing, too, with those other guys is they very – especially with Eliano and Hitchler, they have very quickly 
made legitimate inroads in places that UC has never really recruited. Yeah, I mean, well, for Perry, they've recruited the South some. No, I'm talking like Texas, though. Yeah, they're they're making a name more. They need to get more kids from Texas, but yeah, but I mean, he's he's getting the name out there, right? Like they're interested. I mean, the one kid, the 2023 corner's already taken an unofficial. Yeah, they get Drew Donnelly. I mean, Hitchler's work in Pennsylvania. Which I mean, I know we've recruited it, but like they're destroying Temple in Pennsylvania. Well, I mean, shit. Not that that's hard. Newman Garetti High School is destroying Temple in Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, fair. You know. Um. But I mean, like, there's no reason Patrick Body should be going to UC and not Pitt. I mean, he plays at Gateville in or right. Gateway in Monroeville. That's like a Pittsburgh suburb. Like, you know, a guy like Oliver Bridges in Maryland. We don't recruit in Maryland. Yeah. And Brian Mason's done a really good job in Indiana. You know, they've, they've been strong in Indiana, but they've continued now with Brian Mason to be strong in Indiana. Well, a program like Indiana is at the, you know, rising or at the high, highest they've been in a while. Like, it's not like yeah. Purdue – Purdue and Indiana of kind of like five, ten years ago. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, I know I'd said, shit, it's been several months now that I, I don't know if I said guarantee or whatever, but they would finish top 30. It's not going to happen anymore. Um, there's there's not going to sign enough guys and they, they really needed to get guys like Gavin Wimsat and Alex Afari to make that happen and yeah without getting those guys it's probably unlikely so they'll probably finish somewhere in the 40s when it's all said and done if i had to guess but i mean if you're finishing in the 40s but your average player rating is near an 86 and you're just not in the 30s because you signed 18 guys and a bunch of teams in front of you are signing 23 to 25 guys i mean that's just the way roles you know this class is just going to have fewer guys. Yeah, I think we're, we'll still – I still think we'll see 20 minimum high school commits in this class. Right, and that, I don't disagree. You're still just – it's still just not going to be enough because those remaining guys coming in are likely not going to be a bunch of high three stars. There's going to be some middle – We don't know that. Well, I mean, we don't. They go out and they they make a push and they're in the top. You know, they win these two road games at Indiana and Notre Dame. They're pushing into the top five by the middle of October. We have no clue what that would do in terms of where it would push the end of this recruiting class. Because right now, Oliver Bridges is still very much in play. We'll see with Landon Landon Livingston, but it feels like that one's not going to go UC's way tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he's coming tomorrow, and I don't know where he's going. I just haven't gotten the vibe that, that it's going to be Cincinnati. No, it, it seems like West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to see a pause here. We're at what, 14? Uh, 15. 15. So probably around five left. 
I mean, I you're, you're you're locked in. Quarterback, tight end, offensive lineman are going to be three of those spots. And Bridges, if you can get Bridges, I think is is one of those spots. Right. So then you have one spot if you're going to twenty of something that would be a repeat, another piece like that wouldn't isn't something that we would know right right now what it would be like it's pretty right. fair to say quarterback offensive tackle tight end bridges if if he wants to come and then something else yeah and that's assuming 20 is the number maybe it's right. 22 maybe it's 19 like that's the and i know we talk about this a million times on this podcast don't ask me the number because I, until you like, especially now, they don't know the number. <laughs> that's my point. They but, have an idea, but they don't right. know. Same as we're doing, they're ballparking. Plus, what's the actual number? How many transfers are you intending to look at? How many transfers are you holding now? Because you just never know who might. I don't think, I know, I know they did not expect Juwan Bridges to go in the port, Jerome Briggs to go in the portal last year when he hit the portal. So it wasn't like they had a spot earmarked for Jawan Briggs. Well, what I mean, what if there's a guy like Jerome Ford? Right. Just decides to transfer and they're like, oh, we, we recruited this guy. That's like, what I'm saying. Right. We'll take him. Yeah. Like you're probably going to earmark a spot for tackle again in the transfer market if you can find one. Um, just because getting older tackles is is gonna become the rage in college football. Because getting young tackles, ninety five percent of the time, it's three years before they're they're legitimately pushing for a starter spot. You go get a guy with two years in somebody else's program. Uh oh, now he's now you got a guy going into year three that's ready to to come in and play a tackle for two three years. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's where the number thing is. Uh, real quick before we, before we move on, back to JQ specifically. I know you've watched some tape. What is your overall, like, takeaway in watching, you know, JQ's huddle and, and getting a feel for uh, what he's going to be when he gets to Cincinnati? Just, I mean, he's, he's real long, which obviously, I mean, most guys that are, you know, but like his speed and and change of direction is is more on the like smaller guy size side. Um, you know, I I think he can cover a lot of different types of guys. I think he's I think he's quicker, um, like short area quickness, quicker than Sauce at this point. Like coming in, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, he's pretty. His tape's impressive. Anyway, you, anyway you slice it. But you know, I I want to see. I'd like to see more. I haven't. I haven't actually watched a ton of it. Watched a little bit, but. Um, but I mean, the size is the thing. I mean, it just makes up. I mean, we've seen that with, with Ahmad is like he almost baits guys because his length allows him to kind of wait, let them b break their route. And then 
he just, you know, explodes. And, you know, he had one play against Army last year where he almost had the interception where he almost just kind of baits him and then comes, you know, tries to, like, swim around almost, so to speak, and and deflect the pass or get an interception that way. So, when you're already – if you're already six – I mean, say that's legit. Even if he's 6'2 and not 6'3 and he's 180, not 190, I mean, that's still a damn fine – high school defensive back so you you know all those digits and testing and all that stuff's going to improve just by having a full-time strength program and getting to college and maturing and and things like that so you know it's just scary to think that like the just the dbs that they're just rolling through right now we're talking about four stars in the in the the, uh, the third team, and who's going to take Sauce's place? Well, you know, I said last week that I thought it'd be Sammy. You said it could be Bumpus. Like, there's just a lot. There's well, a lot I mean, and the thing is, the guy that plays behind Sauce is going to be back. We didn't name him, Jaquan Shepard. Right. He's playing the boundary corner as the second team guy behind sauce. We didn't even mention him really. No. I mean, we were looking more long-term guys that have four or five, you know, a, a extended time left in the program. Yeah. But, but Shepard, when sauce leaves after this year, Shepard might be the guy that's, that's, you know, one a in that group. It's crazy. Before we go to uh, basketball, let, let's, let's hit on one more football topic. PFF. Top 10 defenses entering the 2021 season. I have a comment on this, not this specifically. I actually have this pulled up right now, but can I a, a PFF uh, comment after we hit this? They're com- they're so confusing to me. But well, that's my thing is like, yeah. How do you but, and I and I am people that listen to this podcast know I am a Derek Stingley Jr. guy. And Eli Ricks is also awesome. But how do you have – like, I just don't understand how you make it work to say that they're the best. And I'm not saying UC should be number one. How are they – that Kobe and Saw should be number one. How are those two DBs, the number one combo, going into 2021 when they gave up the most yeah. dead, dead fucking last passing yards allowed last year in the country, and we're 115th in defensive pass efficiency. Like, how do you marry those two statements, those numbers, and yet those two corners are the best combo in the in the nation? You probably marry it by the fact that they did everything they could to hire Marcus Freeman. <laughs> I, I just don't – like, I don't know how that works. Like, maybe I'm missing something. Like, I don't, because even if those two guys were incredibly awesome – there's no way they finished dead last in in pass, passing yards allowed. Like, no way. Right. And be that no, bad passing efficiency. I just don't get it. But, yes, top 10 defenses per PFF. The Bearcats are number four behind Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Pretty, pretty good company. That's heady company. That's heady company. Not bad. Fourth, fourth best 
defense in the country entering the season behind three teams that, depending on where you look, are anticipated to be in the college football playoffs. Yeah. It's crazy. This is, I mean, it's all, it's all so wild to just watch it grow year after year, year over year. Yeah. Where the respect level, because this is where, and this is where the respect shows itself. The respect shows itself in what people think of you before the season starts. Because if they think that you are an elite program, you get the benefit of the doubt. If they think you're a team that just, you know, is trending towards having that one year uh, where, you know, everybody's old and, you know, they've got 19 seniors and they're too deep between on each side of the ball. Um, you don't get that level of respect. Although this list is a little weird, like UAB seven, Louisiana eight. Yeah. I don't know enough about UAB, but they're going to be the, the seventh best defense in the country. Right. I don't know about that. Um, if I'm like LSU, I'm like, what, is, what are we doing here? Pittsburgh, Louisiana, and UAB are ahead <laughs> yeah. of us. Could you imagine if Cincinnati was like nine with Louisiana and UAB? And I think Washington? the LSU stuff is just like we've got so much talent. Yeah, maybe they, the, they're there every year. The scheme wasn't just just didn't work last year, and we can fix a lot of the issues. Like they did have a lot of busted coverages and stuff like that. So maybe it's like we do have all these great players and maybe we just needed to make a change and and we'll be fine. But I just like to say you're the best. You just can't throw those kind of numbers out. Right. In my mind. I agree. Where was Cincinnati? Third or fourth? Fourth. It was uh LSU TCU that does have a guy that's probably going in the first round. Yeah. Next year, uh Auburn an Auburn guy and then a transfer from West Virginia, I guess, or there. I don't know much about either one of those guys. Then you see. And it was outside duos. Like, who are your starting yeah, like your best, field your combo, Your best yeah. TV combo. Yeah, it was just your, your two corners. All right, you ready to move to some hoops, or you got anything else football left you want to discuss? Um, no, I think I'm good on football. You like sauce going to number one? Oh, yeah. Number one. Wiggins last year, Sauce this year. Like, that is – if you're the stud defensive back for Cincinnati now, you're uh, you going to be number I, one. I honestly wish he would have done because you can do it now. Zero. Yeah. Zero would have been badass. Like, <laughs> zero catches, baby. Zero touchdowns. Don't even throw it over here. Yeah, but they went with the A1 Sauce play. Oh, I know. But but is he getting a, a sponsorship with A1? Never know till you try. <laughs> I just I just want someone sweet to wear zero because it's never because you have like I want Joan Briggs to wear zero. What he's he's already he's like 18 or 18. something. Yeah, like either either like a sweet DB or a huge guy. Yeah. There's a couple D linemen, I think. Dante Corleone should wear double zero. That would be awesome. Because he's already a cartoon character. We've already I don't, know, I don't know if you can wear double zero, maybe just zero. He'd just be zero. That would be awesome. Like, you I are love, moving. I love me. huge dudes in single digit numbers. You are moving me zero feet. Yeah, that's right. I am the godfather, and you are moving me zero feet. Right. Um. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to basketball. Wes Miller gets his first high school commit. 
Cincinnati has their first recruit of the 2022 class. Former Auburn commit, decommitted, I think it was like three, three and a half weeks ago. Um, it was while I was driving to vacation. So like three weeks from, or a month from Sunday, something like that. Uh, Sage Tolentino, still, I, I still can't understand it. He moved from Hawaii to Hamilton. I, we, Mo and I joked about it on the radio today. I know their family's probably getting sick of me saying it, but uh, everybody wants to go from Hamilton to Hawaii. And this, this family is, has rooted, they're deeply rooted themselves in, in Hamilton. Did they move uh, here because they had existing family here already? There, I think there is a, a couple connections in Hamilton okay. that they I have. have. People asking me, and I'm like, I know Chad's talked about it. I still don't know like what the actual reason is. When I asked the dad the first time they came on the radio, he said that they, they knew some people in the area. Just make it a little so, bit easier to you know, yeah. at least have someone that can, you know. They decide. Look, I mean, I would imagine, like, Hawaii's expensive. Like, I lived in L.A. I made a lot of money I, when I was 22, 23 years old. I lived in L.A. I made a lot of money, and I didn't bring home a lot of money because it was expensive. So I get, like, you know, they've got four or five kids. I've met four of their kids through this process. I, I'm actually like almost an honorary member of the Tolentino family at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably a little on the short side. A little short. Well, the family's like normal height, except for Sage. Sage is just a monster. Um, but I, there, there is a, a connection somewhere, somehow. But uh, he visited a little bit. His first visit was right at the beginning of the month of june when things opened up it raised some eyebrows because at the time he was still committed to auburn and you just don't see that much uh in the recruiting world where kids in, in the basketball recruiting world where committed kids start taking visits so that should have been sign number one that something's going on right and obviously he hit it off with Wes miller and the staff um he enjoyed the time as he said to me in the article that's up now on the front page, uh, getting to know the players. Um, I know Chad Dollar had a connection there. And, and you know, the, the Chad Dollar effect pays off right away with the, with Sage Tolentino because this is a Chad Dollar recruit, although Wes Miller also did a, a ton of work on this one. Um, and you add, I mean, look, the reality is Wes did did yeoman's work in getting this roster stabilized, but two of the massive pieces in that in Hayden Koval and Abdullah Doe aren't going to be here next year. So one of the, and maybe the biggest priority outside of getting a wing scorer, because I think that's number two on the list, if not number one, they're both close is it was getting bigs. And you started off with a seven footer that was committed to Auburn. Uh, you're starting off in the right direction for me. Sure. Um, give what is uh, what's your cliff note? I know you you have not seen him play. I've not seen him live in person. I would have if he didn't injure his knee. I would have seen him last uh, last week and from, watched him a bunch. From what you've heard, what you've watched, what are a few of the things that he's already 
you know, pretty good at? What are a few of the things that he's going to, you know, need to continue to develop? One of the things that I think will be a strength of his going forward. Now, you know, people are going to jump on me for this. If he's not perfect at it when he's a freshman, I don't expect any freshman to be good at something uh, defensively. Like, I don't expect them to, to excel on the defensive end as a freshman. The thing I like, and I talked about this with Mo quite a bit today, uh, especially, and this could be PTSD from watching UC defend pick and rolls over the past couple of years, he can really move his feet for a guy his size. And in basketball today, that is critical. You have to have big men that teams don't just flat out pick on in the pick and roll. Because if you can't defend the pick and roll because your big guy can't move, you're just going to get torched defensively no matter what else you do. Because there's so much pick and roll in American basketball now. Coaches see it. Coaches know it. They game plan it. This guy can't defend us in the pick and roll. We are going to pick and roll him to death. And I think as Sage comes in and gets experience, that is going to be one of the things that allows him to get on the floor uh, as he develops. Are you um, trying to say that over the last couple of years, the pick and roll defense was not exceptional? That would be what I'm implying. Yes. Okay. I would agree. I'm just, you know, clarifying that for anybody that didn't, didn't catch you know, it. <laughs> I said the last two years, pick and roll defense gave me PTSD, <laughs> Dave. And I'm not a stressed guy. I'm usually a pretty easygoing, relaxed guy. Um, so I think that's one area that he's really going to help. He's, he's obviously a big kid, seven foot long. Um, I'm not going to say he's at this point in his development, like a, a knockdown shooter, but he's, he's good enough that he can, you know, you have to respect him. He, he can, can make the it. Defense. If, if someone wants to hang on five feet off of him, Right. He'll knock a couple down and then make them change the way they're playing defense. Or, you know, if they want to, if he's in the pick and pop and they want to over-focus on the guard, um, he can pop, he can flare, and he can hit you a shot. Good on the glass. Um, did you hear it? You didn't hear it. You were working. I don't, you didn't get to hear the interview today with him? No, I, was, I, was, I just got in the, in the car when, uh, when, he, when he came on. Did his, his favorite player? Jimmy Butler. I, I heard that. Like for a seven footer, it's a little strange, but it's a, a, hopefully a little will insight. He play into, with a, will he play with a similar mentality to Jimmy Butler? Right. That's what I I'm saying. Say, he's not going to play with a similar game, but will he play with a similar mentality? Right. Absolutely correct. And if he does, and they Good said, deal. well, they said what? Christoph Porzingis is who he kind of likes to model his game after. Um, yeah, that's who, like, that's who he, you know, looks to be. Seven footer that wants to be athletic, wants to play all over the floor, not just run down the lane and, and stick his butt on the block every time. Right. So where does he then? Obviously, he's going into his senior year. There's a lot of places he can improve. But what do, you, what do you think he needs to improve on to maybe go from a top 150 kid to a top 100 kid? 
I'd say strength is definitely going to, you know, and that's, that's pretty common for young big men. Um, he's going to have to get stronger. He's got a really good frame. He's not, he doesn't look frail, right? He doesn't look like if you, a stiff breeze is going to knock him off stride. Um, so, you know, I think that's definitely going to be one area. Um, I haven't seen him enough to really dissect his game. Um, I would guess they'll want him to, to develop a little bit more around the basket as a guy they can throw it into. Work on both uh, hands, stuff like yeah. that. Go spend like three weeks with Kyle Washington. And, and you know, learn the ways. Maybe Kyle of, can teach him the, the, flip, the flip shot. That can't be taught. I think, that, I think you're just born with that. You either know how to do that or you don't know how to do that. I think you're just born. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I think he's going to need some, some refinement. Um, again, part of, you know, strength, if he's going to be playing, you know, defending bigger guys uh, because of his size, like, look at, at seven foot, you can, you can talk about where you want to play offensively. And that's like, that, you know, it's positionless basketball quote unquote anymore. And, Guys his size are playing the four, um, you know, moving out on the floor a little bit, spacing. But defensively, odds are pretty good he's going to be guarding the biggest guy on the other team. Well, yeah, and if he shows that he can't match up physically, they're just going to drag him down to the paint. Right. So He might might be the best, you know, ice ball screen guy, hedge ball screen guy in the country. But if you can't – keep somebody away from the rim, you're never going to be out there because they're just going to pull you down low the whole time. Correct. So that, that those are the areas I think he's going to need to work on. The good news is, Dave. Got some time. One, got some time. Two, Cincinnati rehired Mike Rayfeld. That should help. Not worried about strength. How is – Not worried he, about functional strength. I know – uh, similarly to football, can kind of be all over the map. How is Hamilton's program uh, for him to be in competition, coaching, stuff like that? Well, they're in the GMC, so good, but not like you know the high, the high highest level of basketball. But it, it's a physical style of basketball, and, and it does get up and down the floor a decent amount. So. Uh, I think that's going to be good for him as he continues. And because he said, and he said to me, and he said on the radio, you know, the reason they came from the main reason he came, they came from Hawaii to America was because the basketball in Hawaii just wasn't at a level enough that was going to, to really challenge him. No. And they had won two straight state championships. Yeah. As a freshman and a sophomore, he won a state title. So at that point, it's kind of like, I'm a high level division one player if you have the ability to move, it's, you know, what I'm not going to get much better here because we're just going to win another state championship more than likely. Yeah. And you don't get better by not challenging yourself. So, you know, I like it from that standpoint. Um, and I think he averaged like a 10 and 10 and five, 10 and four or something like that last year, which, you know, for a big guy that, that just made a move, from Hawaii to Ohio, 
uh, adjusting to a completely different style of basketball. Sounds about right for me, but you would expect that to jump more 16, 17, 20 points a game and the rebounds to hopefully pop up to around eight or nine points a game or eight or nine boards a game. Get three blocks a game, which you're seven foot playing high school basketball and then you can move. You should right. block a lot of shots. Like that's just the nature of the beast. I would hope. Um, <laughs> you would hope. Absolutely. Um, although, so yeah. Although there is evidence to prove that being seven foot does not necessarily mean you can block shots. No. And I'm not, I'm not automatically claiming that being seven foot, it means he's going to, he's going to block a bunch of shots. But so um, what is, what is kind of next steps? Uh, EYBL is that right now, but no one's allowed to, it's, like if no one's watching, does that does it happen? Is that what's kind of happening there? There are people there watching. <laughs> are they sworn to secrecy or not allowed to talk about it or show what imagery did, of it or what they did? They allowed thirty members of the media in, and it's uh, like I was told, like eight to ten of them are all uh with ESPN because ESPN is broadcasting the semis and finals of the Peach Jam like they do every year. So there's like 22 members of the entire national media there. Uh I know we got we got two. We got Eric Bossy and Travis Branham are the only two 24/7 people that are allowed there. There are no team sites allowed at the event. Which is ridiculous, especially for an event that has doesn't have fans. They have friends and family, like 30 friends and family for each EYBL team. And then no fans in the gym. Why can you not let legit credential? If I'm credentialed at UC, how the fuck am I not credentialed for the Peach Jam? Uh, Nike, that's why. It's correct. Well, it's, it's this marketing firm that Nike uses, but I digress. Sorry, anyway, Dan. So... We have this weekend. Yes, and, and next then, weekend. And next weekend, and then that's it. For the open periods, yes. Until, like, once I think September hits, I believe coaches can start going to, like, high schools and watching, uh, like, workouts and open gyms at high schools. Right. But do you think by, the, by you say, the end of August – that they would have kind of like that other, I mean, maybe, I don't know how many there's going to be one, two more high school kids. Do you think they'll have I would a, guess, a focus I would guess in on who that, who that is? And could we, could we see a, another commitment by that time or is that by what time? Like the end of August? Um, maybe probably not just because I don't, I think what you tend to focus on there is getting kids on official visits like during football games and the first football game is what September 4th it is so I would say it's probably unlikely you get a kid to commit that doesn't take an official visit now that doesn't mean that you know they have a kid that's like look I want to decide before the beginning of September and UC's like well then we got to get him in for an official visit uh before he makes his decision that I'm not ruling that out um, but we just don't know enough now. I think by the 
third week. I think I think they're getting structured a little bit more um, and, and paring down. These are the guys that we like. We have talked to as many of the guys as, that we like as humanly possible. How many of them do we think we have a legit shot with? And if we have a legit shot, like who can we move on? I think they're in the middle of that process right now. Uh, I think this weekend, especially with Peach Jam going, you've got Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, all three having events this weekend. Uh, coaches are going to be spread out between Augusta, and then there's one in Nebraska and one in Texas. And we'll get a good <laughs> idea, too, because if they start, you know, if, if they saw a guy – I mean, taking Leon Bond out of it, we all know if, you, if you've listened to this or if you've been on the board, we know he's the main target. Taking him out of the mix. If they're seeing the same, some of the same guys they saw last week, this week, and see them maybe multiple days, I think it's fair to say that those guys could be mo- starting to move to the top. And then we'll see if they follow that up with another viewing next week so it'll be you know this will be the time we'll be able to kind of tell like oh they saw x player last week and they're going to watch him again so they're not just doing that uh you know for the hell of it yeah i mean it's again it's it's nuanced because like the nike kids were out playing at events that didn't really have many high level teams so you got a look at some of the Nike kids, but you maybe didn't get a look at them against the best competition. And plus it's Pete Sham. Coaches are going to be a Pete Sham. Yeah. Like my understanding is Wes will be a Pete Sham Saturday and Sunday. And it's only a three day period. It's just Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Where last week it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, So I think you're going to see, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll fan out. Leon Bond is in Louisville because his team is not shoe affiliated. So I'm guessing you'll see somebody at Louisville for the first day. And then one at each of the other locations, right? One at Under Armour, one at Nike, one at Adidas. And then they'll trade and bounce around a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I mean, especially like I, I know some of the Under Armour kids, they wanted to get a second look at. I wouldn't be surprised to see West start um, in Texas at Under Armour and, and get one day, one quick day's worth of making a final decision on, you know, who's good enough and who's not. Um, and then, you, you know, you'll get your feel for the Nike kids. I know, you know, the, the uh, Bryce Lindsay, is that his name? I think. Uh, that that popped up on the radar yesterday as a kid that they've been talking to for a while, but the staff, yeah, Lindsay, um, that the staff hasn't really had a chance to get a look at yet. Um, although, Dave, if uh, Bryce Lindsay, yeah, would you be concerned if I told you these two names were on the list alongside UC? Iona and DePaul. Um, are we talking? Well, Iona, no, actually, because it's Rick Patino. Okay. DePaul, Who's the head coach at DePaul? DePaul, yeah. I would Who's the be, head coach at DePaul? Uh, 
No idea. Tony Stubblefield. Oh. <laughs> Iona, let's just say Iona and DePaul. I'm confident those two schools know how to get shit done. Yeah. I would uh I would say that player's probably actually pretty good. Yeah, their their talent evaluation, both of those guys, is is impeccable. You so, just better know you're in for a fight. Yeah, they, they, something else that they have is also impeccable. Yeah, you're <laughs> in for a fight, and it might not be a clean one. There might be a fight fight. Like it might they don't don't bring your fist to a knife fight. Um Bryce Sensabaugh, I think, is going to be a name they're going to do everything they can with, especially given his uh, connection to Cincinnati. Um, I'm really upset. I, my schedule got screwed up, and I was supposed to see him Saturday morning in Atlanta, and I didn't get it, end up getting to Atlanta until did you, did you get a Saturday report? evening. How, how did he play? I get lots of reports, but I I, I want to see him. Uh, that I, that's the whole point. Like, well, in lieu of being able tape, to see him, he's playing really well. Like, okay. he's really good from everybody I've talked to. Everybody I've talked to, it, Bryce Sensabaugh is very, very good. More than good enough to play at Cincinnati. In his first Pete Sham game, he put up 27 points. Okay, sign him now. Let's get him. <laughs> um, so I think you're going to see. At the Peach Jam, they should play the fourth quarter with a peach instead of a basketball. Here's the thing. It's not in Georgia. It's in Wait, South Carolina. Why the hell is it called the Peach Jam? South Carolina has really good peaches, too. When I, I, I have to substitute. When, but they're the when Palmetto I, State. They're not the Peach State. I mean, but they are directly across from Augusta, Georgia. They are, like... Newport to downtown. Well, then call it Peach Jam adjacent. <laughs> we got we got hard feeling. We got beef with the Peach Jam right now. <laughs> um, so the names that pop up from there are going to be interesting, and then the names they go back and check out at Under Armour uh, are also going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a, a good weekend, I think. To to get a feel for things. And then hopefully by the time, you know, I've explained this generally they go out, everybody scatters, they're on the road for a couple of days and then they get back. And on Monday, there's a very long meeting that goes over uh, all of the notes that they've taken from the road. And that's how the board is adjusted and assessed and all of that good stuff. So that's where we're at going into the weekend. It's uh. I'm looking forward to it. I wish there was, I wish there was one of the shoe events that was off so that they would end up like, you know, all those teams would end up at this event in Louisville that I'm going to. (laughs) I know this can be hard to believe, but the shoe events gobble up most of the talented players, Dave. Really? I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah. A lot of the times what you see at the smaller events are guys like Leon Bond that, uh, trust me when I say this, because I talked to a, a few people last weekend in the uh, AAU talent acquisition game. There were teams on every shoe circuit that tried to get Leon Bond. And Leon Bond stayed with the team he'd been playing with for a while. He was friends with the guys. Um, in today's transfer portal age, that's another reason that that's a kid that you make a priority. 
Yep. Because you ain't gonna have to worry about loyalty. If you're not He's leaving, if you're not leaving your AAU team when it's about the easiest thing you can do to play for a million AAU teams, and it's look, there's like one other D1 guy on his AAU team. That's not to knock his AAU team. They're an independent for a reason. Because if you have a bunch of talent, guess what happens? One of the shoe companies signs you to be one of their teams. Right. So just. That's a, uh, a another plus in the Leon Bond box that's checked is that I know Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, they all had people coming after Leon Bond and he stayed where he was. So you get a commit from that kid, you got to believe it's rock solid and that, that he plans on being with you until the time it is time for him to go play professional basketball. Now he has said that. He's looking to maybe make a decision in the next couple of weeks. Is that accurate? Yeah. Late July, early August is, is what he said this time around. I mean, even before that, his like rough estimate was I'm going to commit before my senior school year starts, not his senior basketball season, right? but before he starts school, his senior year, he wants it out of the way. He doesn't want it distracting him. So, you know, that's, it's coming down to the wire. I still think Cincinnati is like, if I had to pick, if it was just Cincinnati and Marquette, I think Marquette would have a slight lead, but I think Cincinnati's closer to Marquette than people realize the Virginia thing. Just I've said it for six weeks now, the Virginia yeah. thing worries the hell out of me. Yeah. I think Virginia probably with the way that they recruit with the way that, you know, I, the way, the think, way that Tony Bennett puts wings like him in the NBA. Well, just like they don't, they don't not get the guys they want. Generally, they get who they want. Yeah. Like they have a, a different style. They have a different profile. Like if they go at, if they go, they usually get the guys they want. They've got a very Mick Cronin approach to recruiting. Don't mm-hmm. recruit, get, don't go swinging at a bunch of pitches that you can't hit. They swing at pitches. They, you know. They, they think they can hit. And uh, boy, I was upset Monday when last Monday when they, when they, or this month past Monday, when they, when they took their swing <laughs> and offered, I was really hoping like they watched him Thursday. Maybe they just didn't see it. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe he just didn't click that, that, that day and that they weren't going to go. No, they had their staff meeting on Monday and they went. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any of the stuff from that, that thread last week? Do you have any topics you want to add here or you want to cut this thing at an hour tonight and uh, I'll leave it up to you. I'm not going to let you rant about digital tickets. You already have done that. Oh, I don't, I'm, there's nothing. I don't, I have nothing to say about that. I, I like tickets. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Are you? Do you have like a, a scrapbook of them? Do you have like a collection? Uh, I have not actually done anything with them yet. You're just a hoarder of tickets. As of right as now, of now I have plans and I've had plans, <laughs> but nothing. Now there are certain things that I do have, like um, the year that I think it might have been basketball season when they put like the whole fight song on the tickets. I don't, I have, you know how long it's been since right. I had tickets, Dave? If some of the years, if there's been like a special layout to it, we have 
saved the tickets and then gotten like a, a framed piece made. Okay. But other than that, like I haven't just like thrown Who is all we? My- your parents or your wife? No, my, like I get I get one, my mom gets one, my aunt okay. gets one, whatever. Like, you all um, take your your tickets and make yes. like everybody gets one. Okay. Yes. Uh but no, I have not taken like all of my tickets, which is basically um any almost every sporting event I've and concert I've been to in the last 30 years, I pretty much have the ticket for. I'll pretty much I know I'm gonna hate myself for this later in life, Dave. I don't keep anything. I usually don't. I'm not a, like, I don't either. I'm not a big, like. I'm not you know, sentimental. Like, like I'm, I'm just not. I have certain things that, that I still have. Like I have a uh, uh, great Midwest conference tournament program in 19 from 1992 signed by the entire team and coaching staff. Uh, so like I have that, I have a lot of tickets, um, Stuff like that, but no, I don't. Um, but those fit in like little buckets. I mean, they don't take up any any room, right? So, um, but no, I have not done anything of like, you know, putting them on some big board and then framing it or anything like that. But I've got UC tickets, Bengal tickets, concert tickets, like golf, pat. You know, who who knows what's in there? Like, right. But uh, I just I that's I I pro- I mean I've. Like, so when I was growing up, especially like in my teenage to late, you know, like early 20s, my dad had a girlfriend who worked for the symphony in ticketing. And because of that, she got tickets to basically everything in town, right? including every concert, like a lawn seats to every concert that, that right. happened at Riverbend. So like I, I've seen everything. Except country, because I just I, I'm not a country music guy. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, it's too I depressing. There, I bet there's some some country music that I listen to that you'd like. Probably, like I like bluegrass, and like I like you know I'm a Jack White guy, and he dabbles in like in some country style stuff that he's done over the years. Uh, just the like you know the radio my do- country. Uh, yeah. yeah, my dog died, and my wife left. You know, my girl left me. Like. Yeah. No, I don't want to listen to that. I hear you. No, I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hook up with a little bit of like uh, Texas, Texas honky tonk type of country. Yeah, I don't mind that. Like banjos and not like that. Not like you should got a pretty mouth. Not like that. I mean, you before didn't, you guys get me ideas, you spend some time in West Virginia, and I grew up all, all my life in Kentucky, Dave. <laughs> Still there. Like, I get it. Hazard? No, not hazard. <laughs> Here. Here, Kentucky. No, but I will say, I'm not going to go on a rant or anything, but I will say, they, <laughs> Bria McLaurin, who I met at Big Council the other night, reached out to me to try to clarify some things that people had you know, said to me and that I had, you know. Can you imagine that ever happening in the past? Well, no, because they've had opportunities and they never do it. Right, they just like, complain behind this. They like call I was, me I was, yelling at me. I was working. My phone rang. I didn't answer. I listened to the voice. I was like, what is going on? Like, they're reaching out to, to me saying, like, hey, we saw and we heard and we just want to get some things clarified. Like, that would never happen before. Kudos. 
Oh yeah, that's what I said. I was like, thank, like that's great. Like, you know, if whether I, you know, and I was probably wrong on some things, and people and like hearing stuff secondhand, and and you know, but they were, she was able to tell me some things, and I was able to relay it to people on the board or on Twitter, and hopefully that you know decreases confusion or answers some questions that somebody else might have. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that doesn't have has never happened here before. Like they're not using you know our platform as a way to to troubleshoot. No, but they always read it. They just didn't use it. Yeah. So no, I mean that's it's, a different story. Everything's fine. I'm just an old that likes actual tickets. Whatever. And you you get emotional at times about things you like. Yeah, You're passionate. Yeah. <laughs> passionate about tickets i'm trying to find oh here uh let's see here found the thread uh would you like to touch on the your biggest issue with how fickle has handled something <laughs> so that when, if he listens to this or someone listens to it then he can give you crap I mean, oh, he's not going to listen to this, but he'll, no, it, like he, he doesn't need any help giving me crap. He is very good at it. Here, here's, <laughs> here's, here's a fun one. To me, we'll see what you think. How many times this year will you have more alcoholic drinks than opposing teams points scored? I think there could be a couple shutouts, so I could be even a couple times. There could times. be. I mean, we, they, they gave up on average like – I don't know if we're right around 14, 15 points a game, I think. Yeah. Might've might crept up at the end or something. I think there are some teams they play at home at the bottom of the AAC that scoring could be a real issue for them. Yeah. And Miami. Miami's offense is not terrible. Um, UC's defense is elite. It is. It is. But they could still score like 13 points. Maybe. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not probably going to have 13 beers. Probably. If, were we counting Jello shots in there? He said he didn't say beers. He said drinks. Well, a Jello shot's got alcohol, so that's it's a, not drink, a drink, right? Though it's not a drink. Yeah, I guess it's not liquid, so it doesn't count as a drink. Do uh, do you? You know, we're only at about an hour, a little over an hour. Do we want to discuss a little? 09-2021. Yeah, I let's 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 go. We won't let let it go too long. I, I'm gonna before we discuss 09 versus 2021. I said this on radio today. Mo for the most part agreed with me. I'm gonna make a bold statement before we get into this. The 08 roster was better than the 09 roster. It's bold. I mean, better Ed Mickens, had, better Ed had, Mickens, more, had more individual talent. That was a better roster. Oh, they wait. Just, they just didn't play as well. They weren't. I mean, they were still adjusting to the BK stuff. The right. offense, the offense wasn't as good as 09, but most of those guys no. were still there. Right. I mean, Benz was there. Gilliard was there. You know, the running backs were mostly the same from 08 to 09. The line wasn't terribly different from 08 to 09. 
I might be wrong there. I think they lost a couple of important linemen in 08. I, I just think w- when you add Mickens and D'Lo and you add uh, a couple of the linebackers and defensive linemen that graduated in 08, I think the 08 roster was more complete, was better than the 09 roster. The 09 roster just had the it factor of that offense um, being able to, especially down the stretch of that season, outscore everybody. Right. So that's my bold statement. Everybody just jumps to 09 because that's the roster that went undefeated. Correct. But, I mean, the 08 roster won the Big East and played in the Orange Bowl. Like, still a pretty damn good roster. Yeah, for sure. And they definitely had more NFL talent on defense. And they had Kevin Huber. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think the I think the defense thing um, is is a key piece there because like you you also had Haruki. No, I think Haruki graduated in 07. Did he? Because I think he came in with those guys, but I don't think Haruki redshirted. Redshirted. So those other guys were here five years. Haruki yeah. was here uh, four. Okay. Let me, yeah, I mean, let me, let me double I'm, check that. I think I'm, I'm right at on the, that. At the, what I get, I mean, I typed in 08 roster, but I think, I think we'd really be talking about the 07 08 team. Yes. 08 09 team. No, the 09 10 team is the team that played for the Sugar Bowl. The 08 09. All those games were played in 08 with Mickens and D'Lo and except for Yeah, but Jordan. so like on this 08 roster, Pike is listed as a redshirt senior. Then I don't think that's right. Like John Hughes is a redshirt sophomore. Like Pede's a sophomore. What's Marty? Uh, a senior. Yeah, so that's the 09 team that you're looking at. It says 08 roster. I'm telling you that's the 09 team that you're looking at. Okay. Is is Mike Mickens on there? Uh, what number was he, 21? 21. No. Then that's not the 09 team. Yeah. That's the – oh, that's the – or that's not the 08 team. That's the 09 team. Right. Um, let's see. Haruki was drafted in the spring 2008 draft. So the 2007 season would have been his last. So, yeah, he played as a true freshman where a bunch of those guys in that class didn't. Because if you if I remember right, that was D'Antonio's first year, which was Gino's senior year, which when they were really old. Mm-hmm. And then that whole team, for the most part, graduated. So they redshirted as many guys as possible, D'Antonio did, getting ready for the future. And then his second team was actually the youngest defense in the country, if right. I recall correctly. Yeah. Which four years later turned into the 08 team. Yes. But to back to our original point, I don't think this is actually close. I don't think it is either. I think this roster is better than 08 or 09. I think you can just, put 08 <laughs> and 09 together in this roster Ooh. would still be better. 
I don't know, man. Like, if you put that 08 defense with the 09 team, and you got a – they had a first-team All-American cornerback, Dave. Yeah. They had another equal-to-Kobe cornerback in D'Lo if D'Lo wasn't maybe a little more dynamic than Kobe. When, they when still did, had a really good that, duo. When did that safety. corner get drafted? When is this corner getting drafted? Okay. I'm a, but the NFL is not college football. I don't think there's – I mean, I just – I look at up front is two is where I look defensively. Like – That defensive line in 08 and 09 is better than you remember. I'm saying for this defensive line versus that offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, that offensive line probably would have had problems, and Tony was not exactly. Uh, I mean, is is it fair? Fleet to be, of foot. I mean, it's fair. I think it's fair to say that like, my my J. Sanders and Carlos Dunlop are very similar players. Carlos is a little bit bigger, but I mean, they're yeah. Carlos is probably what two inches, five, an inch at least he's an like inch six, taller. Six, 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 seven. But yeah, two, two. You know, but I mean, like from a standpoint of there's how your, they play. There's your premier edge rusher. Like, I think they'd probably have had the same amount of problems against Majay that they had against Carlos. I, I would think the biggest question mark would be, could this team defend Gilliard? Because Sauce is not a guy that's that's running no. short area stuff with Marty. So no. is our, can Arquan Bush slow down Marty Gilliard? Can that defense do anything to stop Dez? No, because they didn't. You didn't face a quarterback like that. You know, whatever it's Pat White. Yeah, he was not as not as tall or long as Dez, but still athletic. Oh yeah, for beat, sure. Could could throw, and he wasn't as bad a thrower as he got like lambasted into being. No, he wasn't a great passer, but, but he, he was. I mean, but that's why, like. Pat pretty much dominated almost everybody that they played because you just couldn't, yeah. you just didn't see that. Like, I just think it would be, it'd be very hard just to, to stop. Okay, here's the other thing. I mean, this is why it's so hard to do this. Like, how are they stopping the read option? They they struggled with it against West Virginia because nobody, I mean, like, outside of like one or two teams, no one ran that stuff then. Like the RPO, yeah. the RPO game was yeah, not but a thing. if you if you play it forward, the, the game adjusts. Like. Sure, but the players and the way that they're built don't though. That's the only thing. Like right, you can't just say that like oh they'd have been bigger. You know, you just have to kind of take them for what they were. But I mean, it's it's always fun to discuss. I just don't like. I just think it'd be even for that offense. I still think it would be pretty hard for them to, to score enough points. Yeah. I mean, look, I love Tony. I'll always love Tony. He was prone to an interception or two. Well, and you just have like, how many games outside of Florida were they going up against a defensive line that had three guys at 300 pounds? Yeah, rotate, rotating in either whether it's inside or with Juwan Briggs, like you just didn't face those kind of guys b- back then in the Big East and in the you know the, a lot of the teams that they played. It's just not the same, the same type of deal. 
All right. Alex Hoffman was a redshirt junior. Kelsey was a redshirt junior. Dan Sprague was young at that point in time. CJ Cobb. CJ Cobb. Austin Bujnak was a redshirt freshman. Randy Bowie Mart- was a sophomore. Randy Martinez. Did he play center before Kelsey switched over? He, he was a guard. Okay. That offensive line would have had some trouble. For real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like as great as Jason Kelsey has turned into being as a pro, and, is, and as good as he was at UC. like At that age, he was a, a guard though, right? Yeah, I think he became a – I don't know if he played center in the – or just became a center in the NFL because of – he played a little bit of center at UC, but he was a guard mostly when right. he played offensive line at UC. But yeah, I just think, you know, they're just not, they weren't, excuse me, they weren't equipped. And part of that, I think, was the offense too. Link was on that team. Link was a senior yeah. on that team. Mm-hmm. So that's one, that's an NFL guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, all right. Yeah, I don't think it's – I don't oh, – particularly, I don't think it's close. Like – Here's the other thing, too. Like, we're just talking about the front line, guys. Yeah. The depth now is – it's not even comparable. Right. Like, this whole, like, 1A, 1B, we got 22 starters. Like, looking back, Tony, that year when he got hurt, who else got hurt? Like, I I feel like they went through the whole year pretty much. They had a pretty lucky run that year for sure. For sure. Right. Where they were pretty healthy. And so you just have the depth and you have, you know, we talk about Huber and, and that, but like punt and kick, like, yes, Marty is a, as a stud, but like, look at the difference in players running down on punt and kick. Dude, I don't think that matters. Like, I don't think that matters with Marty at all. No, it probably doesn't, but it does in the sense of just, (coughs) if you're, you know, just, you just have more, more overall depth of, of talent. That D line was pretty damn good. Actually. In 09, the more I look at it. Yeah, it had Curtis Young and, and Alex Daniels and Ricardo Matthews, uh, Derek Wolf. Yeah. John Hughes. Rob Trigg was pretty good or decent, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Rob's, Rob, Rob's a Dayton guy. Dan Giordano, who was young at that point, but became a really good player down the road. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good D-line. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Linebacker. Doesn't start out good for the linebackers, Dave. <laughs> First two names on the linebacker list, Demetrius Jones and Craig Carey. Well, they had Andre Revels um, and J.K. Schaefer. I'm mainly making fun of Demetrius Jones, and there's an off chance that Craig Carey's listening to this, so I have to bust his balls. Oh, I got you. Hi, Craig, if you're here. 
Uh, Colin McCafferty, Marcus Wall, Alex Delisi, Malik Bomar. They were okay at linebacker. Rebels, of course. Ricardo Thompson. They listed Walt was a redshirt sophomore listed as a linebacker at that time. Yeah. But he was more, he played more rush in than he did linebacker then, didn't he? Yeah, I don't really remember him being anything. Let's see something. But an end. I think that was back in those days where they wanted to list you at linebackers so the the three, four teams would take you. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Highest-rated recruit on that whole team, I think, was Chris Williams. Yeah, four-star defensive back that that did not play a lot. Yeah. Um, Walt had 59 tackles as a a redshirt freshman in 2009, or as a true freshman, I think. He He didn't sit at all, did he? No, he did. Yeah. He redshirted 2008. Defensive scout team player of the year. You, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> so his redshirt freshman year was 2009. Definitely had, I mean, again, special teams. Great long snapper. Yeah. Rogers was 09, right? Jake yep. Rogers. I think so. So, so pretty good. Like pretty good on special teams. I would probably give the edge. So here's the difficult part, Dave, because this is what it comes down to. If we're playing the numbers game, right? Yeah. I'd give the Oh nine edge to offense. Yeah, probably. I'd give, yeah. I'd give 21 definitely to defense. Yeah. Special teams. I give to Oh nine. That's two to one, right? Uh, we're, just, we're just calling special teams 33% of the game. I think Brian Mason would 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think Brian Mason would be on my side on this one. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, but still it's two to one. So like, but this, I mean, this is, that does close the gap a little bit because was this, what this comes down to is how much better is the 09 offense than the 21 offense compared to how much better is the 21 defense to the 09 defense. Right. And I guess too, like we, we talk about like Marty And what he can do, but then part of me then goes, who's covering Alec Pierce? Well, yeah, yeah. The 09, that was the problem. Their corners were, I mean, Mike, Mike Mickens could have covered Alex Pierce. Well, yeah, he's not on this team. I know, but that's where you get into trouble. Head of, head of recruiting, uh, number 13, Pat Lambert, redshirt freshman. Is he, is he, is he, is he running with, with Alec Pierce? You would, if you were the 21 team, that's a favorable matchup for you. <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble with a lot of people I know tonight, by the way. That's all right. You'll be fine. No, I think it's that's just, just a, it's just a podcast. And like UC is, has like a lot of bigger targets now, too. That would have been a problem because like 
Ruben Johnson was a solid corner, 5'10". Like, yeah, Dominic, I'm not Dominic, denying that at all. Dominic Battle, really good player, 5'11". I he think there would have been issues. Either. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there would have been some issues uh, trying to cover Josh Wiley, Lenny Taylor, Alec Pierce, Jordan Jones. Tyler Scott. Well, I mean, but he's on the small. I'm just saying, like, there's there's a there's a mismatch with some of the bigger players that UC has now. Here's the thing, Dave. Tyler Scott's bigger than those dudes. That's, that's true. <laughs> Maybe or, not as big as the same those size. Dudes. Yeah. That's not a size advantage to the defense. Tyler Scott's like right around at least six foot. Yeah. He's bigger than all those dudes. That's but that just kind of just shows you where things have gone in the program. Yeah. In these years, like very, 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 very good players on those teams, but just the type of player that you see has like, I mean, like, let's be real. Who the hell is covering Josh Wiley on that team? That guy could get as many yards and as many catches. as he <laughs> Like Georgia couldn't cover him. You could put Walt on him. Walt's not running with Josh. Walt, as a young pup, had some wheels. Maybe not did, running but, with him. He didn't cover anybody. Like, you're just going to let the guy that doesn't cover anybody ever try to cover one of the best tight ends in the country? Well, I mean, that's the only chance you have, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that's just the thing. It's just a, it's a different – you know, it's a, just a different. You, you, you're telling me, you're telling me, you wouldn't want Marcus Wall on Josh Wiley in space. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm telling you. Colin no, McCaffrey had a, was good size. No knock to no knock to Marcus. I, I'm not knocking any of these dudes. It's just a I know. Different I'm just messing with now. you. A different rock, like a the sport is different. I mean, yeah. there weren't six six tight ends. <laughs> You know, until Kyle, Gronk, Kyle Pitts, yeah, and, Gronk kind of Gronk, Gronk, and Travis. Gronk, look, and, look, Dave, I, I'm going to say something important here. Gronk changed the life of undersized power forwards everywhere, oh, forever. Yeah. And well, I mean, even you could even say before him, like Antonio Gates. Yeah, but like, but Gates was still only like six four, right? He right. wasn't as big as Gronk. Some of these guys. No. What I'm saying is all those six six guys that were trying like Max Seal and Hicks, right. Eric Hicks, if he'd have decided to play football, would have been in the fucking Hall of Fame. He'd have been on the short side, side end. though, since he was really only like six four. Yeah. But still, but Ma- back then Max, that was a monster. Max is six six with those long arms playing tight end. <laughs> you couldn't throw it over his head. But yeah, it's just I mean, these just are just different. It's different dudes now. I mean, it's the same thing we, I joke about with my buddies. Like, we, we're only out of, like, my buddy's a high school coach, and we joke about it. Like, we're only out of high school. I graduated in, in 2000, 20, 21 years. Like, he played nose tackle at, like, 5'10", 250. And we went right. to the state playoffs. And now, like, if you're 5'10", 250, you ain't sniffing the field. Like, in <laughs> high school, you certainly aren't playing nose tackle. <laughs> Like, right. it's just a totally, totally different game 
you know, and that's just, I think the roster wise, the player for player matchups would have been a problematic. But 09 still gets Marty Gilliam. They do. That gives them, that gives them a significant, like best I'm player just, on just, the field. I'm, check just mark. Bra- I'm just bracketing him with a corner and a safety. And I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna lock up Armand Benz and DJ Woods with my other two corners and safety. It's fair. Benz and Sauce would have been fine. I don't know. Armand, I think Sauce would have ate his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Armand had a knack for getting past people. And yeah. Sauce has a knack for people not getting uh, past yeah, him. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, right. well, that's the, the the fun part about this is now we can like ask some of these guys at higher ground, like, "Hey, Armand, could Sauce cover you?" Right. And he, hey, you Fick. know he's going to say no, and I'm going to be like, "Dude, you ran like a four six. Yes, he can cover you." Hey, Fick. Let sauce and uh, let sauce and Benz do a uh, uh, an opener. Gino, Gino to Benz with with sauce and coverage. I'm sure Tony will be there. Let's see if we can do Pike to Benz and, and see if they complete that. But unfortunately, because of the the 360 show, he doesn't get a chance to be there oh, much yeah, that's anymore. True. People don't realize it, Dave, but radio is a lot of work. Like, oh yeah, it really seems like it. Well, point being, <laughs> if, if you want to have, like, interesting topics, you can't just stroll into the studio at 1145 no. and throw the mic on. You got to put some work into it. It's not hard work, but it <laughs> does count as work. I, like, when I got a three-hour show, it takes me, like, an hour and a half to really rack my brain and come up with interesting sports topics. So you add that to the three hours on the radio – that day I worked almost five hours. That's a lot, Dave. Almost. Oh, I know. Almost five <laughs> hours. I mean, what, what do you have time to do the rest of your day? I mean, it must feel like you're always at the studio. I mean, when I get done at six, I'm exhausted. I, I can only imagine. I mean, you talked for like 30 minutes every hour. You know. Especially going into the five o'clock hour, you got Marty and Tracy. That takes up like a good fifteen minutes every day. That's a that's when I sneak down and get my in show cigarette. Yeah, because you go off the air at like four four fifty two, and then don't come back on until like five oh six. Oh man, I, I can only imagine how hard it is. It's difficult, man. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you guys don't make more money with with the, the grueling hours and. You know, over the past over radio the past. sports talk radio hosts are right up there with teachers and you know and and most unpaid professional underpaid yeah professionals and we, work hard, we work hard we work hard it's changed the whole time that's why I, I tell mean, people it, I, people, I people do, underestimate I, how hard it is to just like come up with lists of of top ten this and. Hot take that. You know, I don't do any of those things. I do not. I know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you heart. Yes, I know. That's- I do actually, I do spend a lot of time. Like I've, I've 
go through probably three pieces of paper every show where I, I go down like a list of ideas and then I'll let it marinate for a minute and then I'll look at it and I'll be like, nobody's nobody cares about this. Well, no, it, this it list is. sucks. If I joke about it, but like you have to come up with something that one is actually interesting, but two, like, does it generate any conversation? Like, I'm sure there's things that you and I would both find interesting, but like, if we just talked about it for 10 minutes and then it died, like, then what's the point? Right. So no, it, it, we got ways. That's why you have to one. talk about the Reds so much. Well, that's because right now the Reds are what's happening. Right. Oh, I, I know. I'm just saying like. Yeah. Well, but the thing is three weeks from now, we'll either be talking, still talking about the Reds all the time. Or not at all. <laughs> or not at all. Like there'll be one segment on what happened last night in the game. That's what happened for six years here. Yep. I mean, that's a thing in Cincinnati. Just get like, it's what colleges say about college football powers say about their basketball program. It's just just get get me to spring spring football. Right. With the Reds for too many years here recently, it's been just get get to training camp. camp. Just get to training camp. Like, come on. The worst day was the fan. I don't know if anybody remembers the fan, but that's um, there was the only this only one of two attempts at FM radio or FM sports talk radio in Cincinnati. I worked at both of them. Both of them uh, did not last. Not, <laughs> coincidence? Not a, not a coincidence, DJ. <laughs> coincidence? We we got hired during like at the start of the NCAA tournament. And we were told, like, this is basically a soft launch. It was me. Richard Skinner hosted afternoons. Tom Gamble hosted mornings. Tom had a producer slash co-host. And then I was Skinner's producer slash co-host. We get hired. uh, Gamble gets hired a little bit before that. We get Richard and I start. I think it was the first day of the NCAA tournament. It was um, Cincinnati Harvard. Justin oh. Jackson's yeah Sean's senior year was that was that when that was yeah and they tell us just you know we're gonna soft launch as soon as training camp starts advertising full kick in like we're gonna make this thing happen we got two weeks from the start of training camp and they thought they 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 shut down the station <laughs> we got a call gamble was on he got off at nine o'clock in the morning at nine Oh five. We got one of those automated. Please be advised. There's a conference call for all employees. Uh-huh. Here's the number. It's like, you got to be called in whacked before we even got to training camp. We were like, shit. <laughs> Did we just talk about the good stuff. We just got to the good part. Could you at least not let us have gotten to like November by then, the team would have sucked, and we could have moved on. Yeah. So, yeah, did a whole baseball summer. Like I said, the very end of the like the NCAA tournament, baseball, and then before we could get to football, they fired us all. I think, That was some bullshit. I think the summer – I don't think I could do sports talk radio every day because of – if I was in a town that had a baseball team, I just couldn't talk about it every day. Especially if they're bad. If they're good. If they're like, here's the thing though. If they're bad, 
like the Reds have been the worst because like they're not terrible, but they're also not good. Well, no, Mo is exactly right in Mo's philosophy on this business. Like you either need to be, be good, great, or be terrible. And either no, way is, no, is interesting. No. Be good, be interesting. The problem is the Reds have been terrible and uninteresting. Right. Which the worst. Yeah. Because it drags on really like you're of your own accord, basically from June, the end of May, all the way through June and all the way through July in this market. Because you can't do NBA. Nobody cares. And all you really have is the Reds. And if they stink and they're uninteresting, oh, it's a nightmare. At least right now, I've said this team, this Reds team for me is really fun to watch. They're interesting. And they're kind of good. I don't think they're good. No, they're, yeah, I mean. They're kind of good. It is cute that their fans think Nick Castellanos can win the MVP. Uh, I wouldn't rule out that he couldn't. I, I mean, mean, it's probably going to be DeGrom. But what happens if DeGrom misses? Four, it, his arm's been hurt like five times. He's just a robot, and they, he goes back <laughs> out and throws. They just wind him back up, put him out there. That's exa- Yeah, that's exactly what they do. He's and one he, of those like he's... Chinese those Chinese robots that they've manufactured now in a lab with the, the swing yeah. arm that looks real. The, they the throw dude's... a uniform on him. They put he's... one of those those masks that they use for like Halloween stuff. And he just strikes people out. He's just on another level. He is. There's no question. But that's not to say Castellanos can't win. If, if he doesn't, Castellanos has as good a shot as anybody. They have to make the playoffs though, right? Uh, probably. Even if DeGrom had something happen like that. Yeah, probably. But I mean, he could still have, like, he could carry him into the final week of the regular season. Right. And they miss because, you know, it's it's seeming more likely now, actually, when you look at things, Dave, we're turning into a Reds podcast. Look at this. Look at, look at this. Talk, me talking about baseball. We're not going to do this long. We're already at 145. I already said whole, I'm not going to. No, hours, no, that's so. been my whole goal. That's why I'm rambling about no, baseball I'll right just now. Just trying to get you to go two off. hours. I'm just <laughs> I mean, it, it – you know, everybody got to watch the polar bear hit 9,000 home. I mean, the Mets are like the funnest team in the majors. Yeah. The Mets are fun. Here's the thing. I, because of, I follow uh, KFC from Barstool, you know, pretty closely. And he's a diehard Mets guy. So I kind of follow the Mets through him. Through other people. Right. It's kind of how I I know anything about the Reds. Cause I just, I mean, if I listen to the radio, I have to hear just, just seeing the, the emotions oh and the God. mood swings of watching the Mets. Like, that's a fun-ass team to watch. Oh, they're I have, they're what? They're like eight, nine games over? Uh, not well, I think it's closer to like six or seven. They're like three and a half up. The Reds are six games over, so yeah. up your ass, Dave. Yeah. Well, they're both really fun teams because, like, you never know what's going to screw up, what's going to go terribly wrong, but the game – for the most part, it is always going to be like in the eighth inning. Like, well, this is at least entertaining. Oh yeah. All right, I'll let you go before we get to two hours, so you don't I have just, to. Uh, I just retweeted a 
uh, podcast with Luke Fickle. Okay. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, which are two NFL guys. So uh, that should be an interesting listen, talking about Mike Vrabel and uh, other topics. Yeah, that'll be really good. That'll be really, really good. I'll look forward to listening. Mike Vrabel should have been UC defensive coordinator, you know. know. Yeah, I might throw – that'll be a good good ride to Louisville tomorrow yeah throw that podcast on so all right i'll let you i'll let you go all right my man this was a good one i think people like this one they're always good they're always good but i mean we had a lot to talk about today especially for july 15th we didn't even talk about my dinner we we went out for our anniversary dinner last (laughs) night (laughs) now you're really trying i know if I wouldn't have said anything, I didn't know if you'd like, like catch it and be like, you su- you're trying to get me to two hours, aren't you? No, yeah, not happening. <laughs> All right, man. Good night. All He's right. Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com.